Did you know that Jesus, yes, the guy from Galilee, the one who the whole New Testament is pretty much about, did you know that he was white? A middle-class citizen, a Republican actually. He drove an SUV and he lived in a very safe suburban neighborhood. This is the Reology Podcast. My name is Scott Johnson, and I'm not a trained theologian, nor do I have degrees in theology or the Bible. I'm just a regular guy who loves and follows God, but wanted to know if there was more to what I was experiencing in the world of church. This podcast is the collection of a journey to dig much deeper in the realm of faith, and reality itself is the study of the do-over, and it's founded on the philosophy and principle of stopping and thinking of what we're doing and why we're doing it especially when it comes to what I know about God, Jesus, and ultimately what all this has to do with me. Our world loves folklore wonders. People love the idea of something, a creature, a mysterious person, etc. Something that's unexplainable. We love photos of and tales of encounters that break the plane of the natural. Whether it's a headless horseman a yeti, a sasquatch, a chubacabra, or even a mothman. What, you've never heard of the mothman? Well, an article in Southern Living Magazine helps explain this phenomenon, and I'll read it to you. It says this. In November of 1966, gravediggers working in a cemetery in Clindenin, West Virginia, spotted a strange man-like figure in the trees above their heads. A few days later, two young couples from Point Pleasant reported being chased by a large creature with 10-foot wings whose eyes, quote-unquote, glowed red while they were driving near a former military munitions site just outside of town. Sightings of what area newspapers dubbed the Mothman continued throughout the next year, oftentimes leaving witnesses with a deep sense of dread. Many locals believed that the Mothman lived in a vacant nuclear power plant just outside Point Pleasant, perhaps the escaped product of some secret government experiment. The sightings came to an abrupt halt in December of 1967, however, after a horrific tragedy in Point Pleasant. The Silver Bridge, which carried U.S. Route 35 over the Ohio River, collapsed under the weight of heavy rush hour traffic, killing 46 people. Coincidence? The fact that the collapse was later attributed to a faulty suspension chain did not stop the conspiracy theories. In 1935, writer John Keel wrote a book titled The Mothman Prophecies linking the bridge collapse with the Mothman sightings. In it, Keel suggested that the sightings were actually bad omens about the impending bridge collapse. In 2002, the book was turned into a movie starring Richard Gere and Laura Lenny, and the spooky West Virginia legend exploded onto the national stage. The small town of Point Pleasant fully embraced its most famous resident, welcoming the annual Mothman Festival in 2002, installing a 12-foot metallic statue of the creature in 2003, 
and opening the Mothman Museum and Research Center in 2005. You know, there are a great number of people in our world, in our country specifically, and most of them self-proclaimed Christians who speak of Jesus almost in exactly the same way as they would the Mothman. These views and beliefs of this version of Jesus have become a great folklore, folklore tale, really. Jesus has become a folklore character. And for many self-proclaiming Christians, he is seen as the great champion of our causes. He is the genie waiting in the bottle, ready to grant our wishes. He's the attack dog poised to pounce upon our command. Jesus has come to represent a God who is on our side. Apparently, he hates liberals. Apparently, he hates gays. Apparently, he hates anyone who isn't white. And apparently, he even hates Jews. Because he's on our side. God loves and is ready to defend with bloodshed anything that opposes the specific causes of Christians, of anyone who is doing or saying anything in his name. That's the theory. You know, there have been some seriously disturbing events take place throughout the history of our world. Events that have been done in the name of God. From the Crusades to the Nazi regime and just about any war and the ongoing political games of just about any government. Even the claiming of our very own nation was done in the name of God, even killing women and children. Why? Because God is on our side. God loves America and American Christians. That's the theory. I'm not sure why there's so much confusion and misinterpretation over the character and the mission of Jesus. I mean, it's not like we don't have any eyewitness accounts of who he was and what he was about. We do. Ever since the 16th century and after the invention of the printing press, the account of Jesus' life has been printed in hundreds of different languages all around the world for all to read and learn. Today, we can read the truth of who he was and what he was about on our watches, on our phones, our coffee mugs, and even our toilet paper. Yes, there is such a thing as scripture-printed toilet paper. The actual truth, the facts of who Jesus was and what he said, is easily available for everyone. So why is there so much misinterpretation over who he is and who God is floating around in our culture. My wife has a friend on Facebook who recently wrote a post in response to the great divide in our country. This person wrote this, and I quote, I think it's time for an official split of the country. Red states, which corresponded to a political map that was attached, will remain the United States of America, while the blue states will become the socialist states of America. We got all the farms, the guns, and SEC football. I'm good with that. 
with that post, as you can imagine, many people replied in agreement, many indicating and supporting an us versus them mentality. But the reply that caught my attention, because normally I completely ignore political stuff like this because I think it's a complete waste of time, but this notion caught my eye. One specific comment read, Yes, with him, all in caps, on our side. Apparently, life has turned into a colossal fight, us versus them, with him on our side. That reply was liked, loved, and agreed upon many, many times. And this Facebook friend has a profile picture of a cross watermarked with the United States flag. Jesus, the folklore legend, is apparently a white, middle-class Republican. Well, at least to some he is. There's a songwriter I listen to a lot. His name is Derek Webb. He wrote a song called A King and a Country. And in it, he wrote this line. There are two great lies that I've heard. The day you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will not surely die. And that Jesus Christ was a white, middle-class Republican. And if you want to be saved, you have to learn to be like him. Hence the inspiration for the title of this episode. This is a great danger and a lie from Satan himself, that God is one of us and he is on our side. In the midst of the different sides that he could choose from in the world, he's choosing ours. Why? Because he's one of us. I mean, there are songs and sayings and images all stating that God is on our side. And now, you know, I would agree that God is with us and that God won't leave us and that he's concerned and he cares for us and he watches out for us, no doubt. But to imply that God takes sides, well, that's just seriously dangerous. God is not on our side, nor does he take sides. Actually, God is on his side. In the book Six Months in the White House with Abraham Lincoln, Francis Carpenter wrote this. No nobler reply ever fell from the lips of a ruler than that uttered by President Lincoln in response to the clergyman who ventured to say in his presence that he hoped the Lord was on our side, referring to the Civil War. I am not at all concerned about that, replied Mr. Lincoln, for I know that the Lord is always on the side of right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. The whole account of the mission of Jesus, which most would call the gospel, is founded upon the idea of one thing. Not one thing is reconciliation. Jesus is not raising a sword against your enemies. He did not come, quite honestly, to even be the Messiah that most people during his time were even hoping for. They were thinking that 
the Messiah would be more of a military leader and that he would raise up a rebellion against the Roman Empire. The truth is, he didn't come to establish that or to focus on anything like that. And instead, he came to teach about a different type of kingdom, a kingdom of being reconciled, first of all, with God through selfless living. Jesus even exemplified that whole mission by sacrificing his own life. Jesus compelled us to think about the things that we would normally do and how we would normally act as humans in certain situations on life, in life on this planet. And to, th to think about those things and consider an alternative view, God's view, God's side. Jesus did not call us to invite God to come on our side and defend it, to be on it. But instead, Jesus invited us to join God's side, to join his mission, the gospel. And that mission was about reconciliation. Not only with God, but with all humans. Not to build walls, not to throw stones, not to oppose, not to hate, but to reconcile, to love. That was Jesus's message and his mission. And if you believe what he said in John 14, 9, his message and his mission is also God's message and mission because they're the same. If you've seen and heard from Jesus, well then, you've seen and heard from God. They're the same. The reality is God does not choose sides. He is not on our side. He's on his side. But he's good enough to invite us to all join him there. You know, I mentioned earlier that I didn't quite know why there was so much confusion and misinterpretation over Jesus' character and his mission. I mean, it's pretty much there in black and white and red. It's written down, and it's pretty clear. It can be found and read just about anywhere on the whole planet. The reality is I, I do know why the confusion exists. The confusion continues to exist because some of us just don't want to acknowledge the truth. Some of us maybe haven't really spent much time learning about the truth of Jesus. The truth of what he said and what he taught and what he lived for, and ultimately what he's asking us to do as well. Once we do learn the truth, it's kind of hard to accept it because the truth conflicts with our personal agendas. It gets in the way of all the things and all the stuff that we think are pretty darn important. The things that we have focused on and centered our lives around. The truth gets in the way of our political views. It flies in the face of our bank account. It represents a roadblock on our path to success. The truth goes against most of the dreams that humans can dream up. The American dream, for that matter. Dreams that are primarily focused on us. And when that happens, 
we create a different version of God, a, a friendlier version, a different version of Jesus, a version that better fits what we're doing and what we think is important. Basically, we take out all the dangerous parts of God and we tame him to fit our world better. One of the greatest dangers in our time is to assume that God is a friendly, loving, and safe old man. It's kind of like the abominable snow monster of the north, you know, the bumble from Rudolph. He's safe now. We took out all of his teeth. He's tame. C.S. Lewis, he wrote in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe this. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I'd love to urge you right now to do not buy into the horrible lie that God is safe. He is absolutely not safe. He is not a plaything. He is not a folklore legend. Nor is he a tamed pet. You have not tamed him. I have not tamed him. No one can tame God. He's not safe, but he is good. He is not on our side of things. He is on his. But he's good enough that he has invited us to join him there. He is not our little protector, a celestial bodyguard that I can pull out of my back pocket every time my agenda or my specific cause is experiencing confrontation. God does not sit around waiting just with bated breath to defend everything that we think is important and worthy. He does not answer to our commands, nor does he come running to bless our actions or our endeavors. He doesn't show up to our events to help them come true. Because he's busy doing his own thing. He is currently working not only in our lives, but also the lives of those we would see as our opponents. Because he's all about bringing about reconciliation on this planet. He's good enough that he's inviting us to do the same thing. To join him in what he's already doing here. To be on his side, not the other way around. You know, it's sometimes it's pretty hard living in the United States, spiritually speaking. This country, it's supposed to be the nation under God. We sing songs of God blessing the USA. And we're kind of thinking that we're like the new Israel, right? We're, this is God's new country. And even our enemies around the world, they see us as the Christian nation. 
But saying it doesn't really make it true, far from it actually, because it's not true. We tend to make all kinds of claims about God, about what he said and what he did and what his purpose was in sending Jesus. Claims that tend to fit our way of life. Claims that are just not really based on truth. And there's a sure way to know the truth, though. The next time you're tempted to make a claim about God, or the next time you're about to do something or say something in the name of Jesus, it might be a great idea to first go and read up on his life and his mission. Educate yourself on a real person who really lived in our world. You will definitely come to the point of understanding and seeing the facts of who he was and what he was about and what he was doing in our world. And you'll realize that he wasn't like the mysterious yet fake Mothman. His mission was real and it's still real and alive today, waiting for us to pledge our lives to it. To not only be reconciled with God, but also to be reconciled with our fellow human beings. Even those who are liberal, even those who are gay, even those who are anything other than white, those who do not look like you or me or think like you or me. I know that I really hate when people put words in my mouth or just flat out misrepresent me and who I am because I can speak for myself. The reality is, is God has done the exact same thing through the life of his son. It's right there in black and white and red. Go check it out for yourself. Actually, I made an episode solely for the purpose of understanding what true representing God looks like and what being a good steward of his name should mean. Because anything that we say or do that is not true of who he really is and what he was really about, that is taking his name in vain. Go and take a listen. But ultimately, I would encourage you to do this, to be willing to rethink and research and rediscover the mysteries and truths of God, the life of his son Jesus and the purpose of the ecclesia, which is us. You can't just go to church and listen to the sermon and think to yourself, oh, everything's good now, because that's not nearly enough. Take a hold of this faith in God with both of your hands and make it your own. And don't take my word for it either. Investigate God. Get to know him on a much deeper level. Go and read. But just remember, all of this starts with a willing spirit to stop and think.